Welcome to another episode of the Seminar Files. This is L. KB. Hashtag feminism. African queen. African queen. Three black black women. Where's the lie? Hello, world, and welcome to another episode of the Femoir Files. The game's all that. Wait, can I quote? Can I quote my favorite movie before y'all? Before we like officially start? What's your favorite movie? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the quote. I'm gonna do a scene. And I know what it is. Which movie okay. it is. Go okay. ahead, go. Okay. Well, well, well. The game's all back in effect. Break out the 40s. Hi, Hi Shelby. Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harper Stewart. Richard Wrong. Langston News. Hello, Shelby. I heard about your little book. The next time you want to characterize me Wait, in you a project... I am, because I have to get to the end of this. Let me finish. The next time you want to characterize me in one of your little projects, do me a favor. What would that be, Shelby? What's that be? Don't. And scene. Thank you. Thank you so much. Fix your face, KB. KB, do you know what movie that's from? No, but I know you recited that on this podcast before, and I didn't want to hear it the first time. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Oh, my. Oh my god. It's the best man. Okay, moving on. Anyway, so how are y'all everybody- doing? The game's all back together. <laughs> so, are you gonna sing KB? Together. What? No, KB's not gonna sing. Mm-hmm. No, I I think KB is feeling some kind of way today. Why? We just got here. She just got back. It's not about y'all. You know, it's about the situation I sit in. So it's not, it don't got nothing to do with y'all. Yeah, but you know, we could, we could tell what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're back, KB. We missed you. Thanks. And the long Good, how are you? There's a long pause for her. I mean, because I'm like, your energy has shifted. I'm just trying to figure out what's happening. Child. <laughs> Wait, so KB, Suge, everybody is back in full effect. KB, you were missed. Thank you. I, I was You're enjoying welcome. listening to y'all, though. You know, I was still editing the show, so I still got a chance to hear you guys and and, and know what was going on in y'all life. I was like, oh, here's my updates. Oh, God. As opposed <laughs> to just calling or FaceTiming us? Yeah, it was great. I wasn't even doing talking on the phone and stuff, you know. I said, you know, she don't like doing none of that, Okay. I like to see you in person. You know, I don't like talking on the phone like that. I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I think it might be. I think it might be a Libra thing. I don't really like talking on the phone like that for real either. I'm a texter. You are a texter. I'm a texter. will call me to start it off. I'm not going to call and text that long. Like, that just takes too much time. Now, I'll stay on the phone with Elle for a long time, and I'll stay on the phone with Doc for a long time. Them the only two people I kind of stay on the phone for a long time. Everybody else, I kind of keep it cute. Oh, yeah, that's because you I really text. like me. Now, you know who else you I talk like to? 
I now stay on the phone and talk to my girlfriend who just transitioned, her husband. He and I talk a lot now. We be on the phone. He's a talker, so he he talks and I just let him talk because I said I guess he was talking to Sharonda all the time. So he just he just he just talks. It was so funny. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah. And y'all, I wish y'all could see KB. KB looked like a little professor. She got her hair pinned up, got her glasses on, yeah. her African inspired earrings. I just came from running errands and so I just I want to take my clothes off so I have my house coat on, but everything else is still on. So that's why it looks like this. Bless my little heart. I know. I took my jeans off so I could be comfortable. Well, you know, germs was on jeans, so that's why I had to take out my clothes off. You know, COVID's still out here. Facts. We're still in the Ponderosa. We still are. Did y'all see the dog? What? Yes, we met the dog in person. Oh, that's right. We introduced the dog to the podcast. Podcast. Hi, baby. This is Jen. I miss you. Hi, Jet. Jet got big. Yeah, Jet is getting a little bigger. He was 3.4 pounds last week. So hi, Jet. Oh. We don't kiss. We not white. We don't do that. Okay. Oh Chug, you look real cute today. Speaking of clothes, where are you going? So I am going nowhere. I am currently in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been here since the 4th of July. I went. So, all right. Because I kind of did like a little world tour. So I flew into Birmingham, drove down to Mobile, went to a family reunion. So we've done the whole introduction when I say we, me and my boo thing. So went to his family reunion. But before we left Birmingham, he met my grandmother. And while we were in Mobile, stopped and said hello to my mom. He met my aunt. And we kind of, we said, hey, to my cousin and my goddaughter before they left. So we did the whole meeting of the family thing. So I'm still hanging out in Birmingham. So last night I went to the opening of the World Games because that's going on right now. So that was pretty cool. And you will never believe it. They had all of these musical guests and I was getting ready to walk out of the stadium until guess who came on stage? Like, you're going to die, Ill. Wait, let me guess. Male or female? female jill scott sheila e shut the fuck up are you serious sheila e came out on stage and i lost my shit and i'm also mad because all of these guests like he didn't tell me who was performing so booty collins was like the master ceremony collins they had tony 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 perform nelly was here with raphael no, of course, no, no, not with Raphael, like the, the new lineup. So it kind of, it ain't hit the same, but they were here. Sheila E's here. So there's like all of these people in town for the opening, but I got to see her do Glamorous Life. So that was the highlight of my oh. week. And I'm being festive right now because I found this really cute African shop. So fun fact, today is the... 162 anniversary of my ancestors and all of the people that were on the Clotilda, they landed in Alabama today. So I've been feeling very African-ish. So if you see me on Facebook, those who know me personally, I had on my little cute green and gold outfit for the opening ceremony. And right now I'm wearing my little cute kente cloth dress. You know, know, I'll be seeing your post on Facebook. 
Because I was telling KB how we were talking about Kente Claus and how I want to know what you got X for Kente Claus. And she was like, oh, she put it out there. And I was like, I don't remember seeing no post. Do I have you blocked on Facebook? That's something you're going to have to ask yourself, sis. I see your that was a good one. That was a good one. But yeah, so and, and then it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I had the post office, like you know, they're hella slow. So I had them hold my mail while I'm here, and your gifts just arrived today. So once I get back on Sunday, I'll put those in the mail on Monday. But I also have something else I want to order for you guys. Like, I know the limit was 25, but I was like, oh, this is super cute. And I think you would appreciate it. So you'll get two gifts. Aw. But okay. anyway, what's going Did on with you, you all like y'all? Wait a second. Did you all like y'all's Kente Claus gifts from me? I did. Why you calling it a Kente Claus gift? Kente Claus. Kente Claus. Like oh, I, 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 I was just trying to figure out how the originator didn't get her stuff in on time. Ooh, you petty. Listen, like I told you, I ordered that stuff back in June, and you see it's almost a month later, and I'm just now getting it. Yeah, that um, $25 limit was very difficult. I, it I was hard. Do I don't want to do that again. So I was actually, I was, I, I actually had all y'all's before Juneteenth, but when y'all sent that text how my child was going to be on time, I said, well, shit, I'm going to stop there. I already had some stuff. Been on time. Huh? I said, you could have been on time. Mm-mm. You know what? You, okay, girl. I mean, well. we black, so that's in the tradition of being black, so we ain't never on time mm-hmm. for shit, so that works. I can't. So, in any event, you asked me how I'm doing, Shug. So, finally, school is out for summer. I took my little trip where I was a chaperone. Traveling by plane sucks right now. I had two flights canceled. And I am just glad that it's summertime and that I get somewhat of a break. That's where I am. Can I also share? Well, I don't know if we're if we're gonna have our little special guest. So I guess I should be a little respectable in case this episode is shared with not our regular listeners. But yeah, I'm ready. Like Shig, I'm ready to be booed up, and I'm trying to manifest certain things to to ensure that that happens before 2022 is over. Preferably, the sooner the better. That's I where I am. Yep, put it out there. I'm here for it. Thank you. And then, should I guess I'm off in two weeks. Well, not next week, but the week after next. So maybe I can just come hang out with you in Baltimore one day, and I'll come get my gift. Well, well okay. Yeah, I mean, because the way the mail been running, it would probably be better for you to come get in in person as opposed to me putting it in the mail. But make sure you remind me. Because you know I'm real quick to be in that Amazon warehouse and picking up ships. So I have to put that on my calendar. Please do. Just like pick a day. I'll come up. We can do like lunch or dinner or something. Okay. Very good. So now, KB, how are you? Um, What's a weird space? 
It's a weird, it's like this um, you know, good and bad all at mm-hmm. one time. So that's still happening. I've been reading more though. That's been nice. You kinda, read? Huh? I said you read? Oh, you the sh- the shade of no, because KB no, because KB has said that KB does not read. I don't read when y'all send me stuff. I read books. <laughs> you know what? I've always read books. I don't read when y'all send stuff. When anybody says, not just y'all. When anybody says something, if it's an email. I glance through emails. I glance through a whole bunch of stuff. But if I'm reading a book, I read books. Okay, girl. So I've been doing that. Uh, that's been really nice. You know, it's summertime. So, you know, dealing with uh, little KB in, in summer camp. She's away right now, but doing, you know, doing, dealing with that. And taking one day at a time, I had a major upset, um, I don't know, I guess two months ago almost now. And it's been real different. So, uh, you know, good news on the horizon as well at the same time. So it's been a very interesting thing where you can't all the way get to this peak of, being happy because you start thinking about other stuff that's happening even recently i was just celebrating a friend's birthday and then you know a couple of hours later we found out one of the people that was there her her father-in-law just fell and has a bleeding hemorrhage and they can't operate so he's probably going to transition so i mean literally a couple of hours later we just had some fun and you know this happened last week so it's just I don't know. It's just really, it's just really weird. So yeah, that's, that's how I'm doing. Or I'm trying to dodge jury duty right now. That's it. First of all, I'm sorry about, well, let me say this because I was ready to pounce on the jury duty because we were talking about that before, but I'm really sorry about your friend's father-in-law. Like that's horrible. Yeah. We just, I mean, partied it up, you know, with drinking and he had to pay his high fee, but for the birthday um, celebration, his restaurant, really nice restaurant. I definitely want to go back, but you know, a couple of hours later, found sorry, um, Jed is like in this bag and making noises. Anyway, oh. um, <laughs> you better you know, leave my baby couple, alone. A couple of hours later, he fell out of the bed, and you know they they said he's bleeding and they don't they can't operate. They say he won't make it through surgery. So it's just oh, really, wow. you know, we just had these laughs and it's probably a good laugh that I haven't had since probably y'all came that weekend for the rules picnic. And then it's like back to like, damn, you know? So yeah. anyway, yeah. but that's what's happening. And yeah, again, trying to dodge jury duty, but that's a, that could be another day we talk about that. Ma'am, first of all, I don't know why black people are always trying to not serve on juries because no, when defendants, I- when defendants yeah. look like us, they need to see people that look like them in the jury box. I agree with you completely. I think the way the system is currently set up, it, it maybe we need to figure out who oversees that, and that's who we vote out because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But I know here for Philadelphia, if you go serve on jury duty, let's just, I'm going to throw out random numbers. You get a voucher for your lunch for $20. Right. The parking costs $28. And mm. so I paid to sit on a jury for a day. Right. It's when I could have been working. Making, it's not yeah. making logical sense for me. Right. Now, most companies give you the day off and you don't lose any time. But I've lost money because I've had to pay for my lunch and then pay for parking 
And even if I Uber, it's going to be even more because I got to go there and back. So it's just not a win for me. I don't want to. That makes Increase sense. the amount okay, that you're going to give folks. Increase the amount you're going to give folks. You know, that's interesting. Philly is high because I don't think DC is that. I don't think DC gives you $20. And they put it on like a little Visa gift card. Yeah, they, yeah, know, no, they, so, they give uh-huh. you a little check here. So, child, you got to use your money up front. I was about to say it's kind of similar in Baltimore because $20, y'all doing good. I want to say we got, it was 12 or 15 but again, like KB said, you, but like KB said, you got to part, you know what I'm saying? So that's your little money right there. So it, it's not feasible. It's, yeah. Right. Well, even in D.C., so the last time I had jury duty or I had to go to the courthouse, I actually just picked the metro because there literally is nowhere to park that is like within walking distance of the courthouse. Um, but you're right. And I think they only gave us like $13. And like you said, we had to pay for lunch and everything up front. And they like mailed us the gift card. And I'm like, so basically it's not even cash or anything I can put in my bank account. I have to, what if I want to use a gift card? Like, it's just so unreasonable. Yeah, and maybe that's a part of the setup that make people not that, you know, this really doesn't work well for them to not participate. Maybe that's a part of the the plan. I think that's one of the major conversations we're going to have today is how is all this stuff working together? You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, I want to say I feel like that's the point. I feel like the point is for it not to work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I I feel like the system is broken, but you know that kind of gets Go into. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't be yelling at that dog. Good lord. Oh, God. But that leads into you know our first topic, where so today President Biden put out his executive order on abortion rights. So again, you know, our last episode was dedicated to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. So now President Biden, he has said that he doesn't agree with the Supreme Court overturning that case. So he's trying to do everything that he possibly can in an effort to make sure that people still have safe access to medical abortions and emergency contraception. So that's like IDs and plan B's and then also I did see as part of his executive order he's trying to make sure that people have access to um god what's the name of that medicine KB you my um plan B yeah plan B but um what is it my I'm probably pronouncing it wrong but my prestone so people who want to have medical abortions are still able that's not plan B yeah that's another one yeah So, you know, and I can talk about that because, you know, I didn't have like your, I don't want to call it a a vacuum abortion, but, you know, I had a medical abortion. So I actually, I had to take one pill in the office. And then when I went home, there was another pill that I had to actually insert. So, um, but he's trying to make sure that people have access to be able to have medical abortions because, so now that they've overturned this and then it's going to take people, people are going to have to cross state lines in order to just be able to go into a clinic. Now you're going to have like a lot of, 
what people would call like backseat or backstreet abortions where people would be doing all kinds of illegal things that's really going to mess up their bodies. And, you know, unfortunately, people are going to lose fertility as a result of this because they're going to be doing things that they shouldn't be doing to their bodies. And then also you're going to have people who are probably going to be dying from these procedures. So the U.S. needs to be prepared for the backlash of overturning all of this stuff. But then also, too, this brings to light, again, I don't understand why people aren't pushing more for male birth control. Because it's like all of this stuff they put on the woman and it's like taking birth control pills and IUDs and all of that, that takes a real toll on our bodies. Then also women can only get pregnant, what, once every couple of like months, like once a year, basically. So men can impregnate women at any time. Like look at Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, I mean, Elon repopulating the earth you know what i'm saying like they could get somebody they They're could get it themselves yes they could get did you women see pregnant the, multiple days did you see the number of pregnant that, in a day did you see the number of vasectomies has risen like it's, it's all Absol- over I, I absolutely i mean but i i agree with that i feel like the onus should be put more on men to prevent absolutely. pregnancy instead of it falling on women but you know what I was thinking? Like, oh, he can sign an executive order. Yeah. Oh, he's able to sign one. And yeah. are you able, and I'm being facetious, of course, but... Because his ass ain't done nothing since he's been in office. Thank you. That's my point. That's my point. So oh, you do know how to do this. Oh, good to know. And then I think the other thing I thought about was, you know, where is the George Floyd Act right now? Did the Senate pass Girl, it? The no, the country has moved on, and that's so we'll go down this rabbit hole. But I also feel like that's a slight on black people like, black people, we are not on our shit, you know what I'm saying? So, like, when all of these Asian people were getting attacked, they made sure that they had legislation that was passed to protect them. Black people, we constantly drop the ball, like, our memory span is really, really short. So, it's like we have to keep our foot on these people's necks in order to get anything through. Yes, L. I just want to say that no one asked, well, let me rephrase that. Somebody asked for it, but not everybody asked to have Juneteenth as a federal holiday. We want our reparations, just like Jewish people got their reparations and just like Asian American people got their reparations. But again, that's what black people want. But with everything that's going on, and they're trying to erase slavery. Like, then some school districts in Texas, like, try to rename slavery as, like, oh, shit, what did they say? Like, some, like, un- involuntary involuntary servitude. Nigga, what? Yes. But, I mean, again. The entire fuck. But, again, that's Black people dropping the ball. We need to keep our feet on these people's necks. And I'm like, we're watching all of this stuff play out. And it's like, oh, we just sit up here and we complain and all of that. And then also going back to Juneteenth, that was another topic that we were going to talk about. Juneteenth is not a federal holiday in most states. It's only a federal holiday in like 24 states. So 24 out of 50, that's not even half. Exactly, but that's just how MLK, um, how, how the MLK holiday is in a lot of states too. Like in South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, I think it just recently became 
a holiday. Like my mom used to work for the state as a social worker. And the way South Carolina had it was, is that it was like a floating holiday, like Confederate Memorial Day. So basically you could either take MLK Day as a holiday or Confederate Memorial Day as a holiday. What in the entire hell? I mean, but then that that goes to show just how little regard that America holds Black people in. You know what I'm saying? So that's why, like, we have to do a better job of organizing and pushing back on all of this. We're watching all of this play out, but again, we're not doing anything about it. But then having that strategy, I think that's the other piece. And just to speak a little bit more, too, on this whole thing with, you know, him with this signing of this executive order, I thought was interesting in an article that was mentioned around him not willing to, you know, increase the number of justices, like pack the damn court. He still believes in this, in this, you know, experiment called the United States of America. He still thinks that there's good people and these people are not good people. They got a master plan that they've been putting in place since day one and it's working. And what are you really working on? So, I'm really looking at Biden in a, in a little different, you know, way. And again, at the end of the day, he's a white nationalist as well. But I just, I think this all goes to voting. Like a lot of these things that we discuss have to do with voting. How did those justices get into that position to even overturn Roe v. Wade? Voting. Because guess what? But- they got Donald Trump ass in. And guess what? He picked all of these people. Them senators that get put in they confirm this these justices so how did this all happen voting when we talk about why george floyd act hasn't passed the senate look who you have in office is go down to voting i just can't see how some people still are talking about they don't know the purpose of voting it affects us in everyday life it does 1000 especially local elections I agree with Especially you, but, <laughs> local. but it's hard for, it's hard for people to see that, especially black people, because we've been fucked over so many times and it's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, but we get I fucked over because we ain't doing it. Thank you. Cause we don't That's do a, nothing. No, they, they don't even vote. They complain. They sit and complain and don't vote. Katie, you are exactly right. They sit and complain. I mean, I agree with you on that. But so to me, I'm like, even whoever, I want you to vote. Like, I want you to vote. I want you to vote the way that you should vote. But everybody has a difference of opinion. But to me, it's a slap in the face to not vote because it's like your grandparents and your great parents, like people died for this right. You know what I'm saying? Like people, people fought people, all of the things that they had to do, they had to be able to recite parts of the constitution and all of this crazy hoops that they had to jump the through grandfather just to, clause. yeah you know what i'm saying just it, to to have their vote counted but so the fact that you don't even go vote is a slap in the face like i think that's disrespectful as fuck it is disrespectful and i think you know think about who we have to run you know we, we're starting to talk about 2024 right we ain't got nobody right now there's nobody nope. yet now Barack came out the woodwork so I'm not doubting that somebody will come out the woodworks I do not think Biden should go another term I just don't and uh, I was just seeing this article no I think he's he 
he old. old as shit? Is that what yeah, you want? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think he would be able to. Like one, because I agree with you guys. Like I'm, I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing? But at the same time, as the Democratic Party as a whole, I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing? What have y'all no, been no, doing? We've been doing since got out but you know yeah, what? We need to let this shit burn to rebuild. Like straight up. It has to fall. It's it's falling already. I was looking at an article. Do you guys remember? And L, you might remember from your time in Jacksonville, Corinne Brown. She was a I cute, remember that name. Yeah. Found sure do. And her got sent to jail. Yep. Sure yep. Do you remember her? Well, y'all, she's she's actually seeking to return to the U.S. House and run again. Of course she is. Of course but she my, is. You a whole guilty ass person. That's we ain't got it. nobody it else. KB, KB, you do you know how many white people go back and run for motherfucking office after they ass has been sent to jail? I'm saying for all of them. That's for I'm I'm, I'm an equal opportunist. All of them. Right, exactly. She just said, but you know what? And me and, and me and my daddy said this when he was living. Black people, i.e., what's that boy in Detroit that went to jail twice for lying and having sex with his chief of staff? Kwame, right? Yes, Kwame Kilpatrick, Corinne Brown, Ray Nagin in New Orleans. All these black politicians. Thought that they asked us to do the same thing these white boy, these white people do, and that they wouldn't get caught, and they asked us got sent to jail. And now they're doing this. And now she, this is just another example of black people thinking they can do what white people do. And the and crazy you thing ask, is ask Andrew Gillum, huh? Exactly. And the crazy thing is, is that his ass is gonna, is that her ass is not gonna um She's not going to win. And you know why she's not going to win is because they, and I don't know if it went through or if it's just a proposal, but I think they redrew the lines in North Jacksonville or in North Florida, which would have been her district. Well, that's why she can't run. Does that go Yes, but, that, but she's good because she the way they redrew the it, she can still run. She can still run, but what I'm saying is she may not get elected because they redrew the lines. That was her old district. So they broke that shit up. And you know, that's by design. That wasn't no, yeah. that wasn't no accident. All Listen, and that's why I say the system is not broken. The system was designed to protect a certain type of person. So I'm going to go ahead and say Absolutely. it. It was designed to protect rich, rich oh. white men. Okay? And Correct. That is a they, very... But you know who they fool the most? Poor white people. Exactly. Hello. Come on, somebody. Exactly. Because oh my God. Exactly. They are fighting for them. White no people. Exactly. But listen. Wait, what's happening with that January 6th? What's happening with that? So, how Trump even got into office was by telling all of these lies to poor white people about what they wanted to hear. And that was how he was able to get in. And I have this discussion with my boyfriend all the time. And I'm like, what I don't understand is that there are more people of color in the world than there are white people. So if we understood that, we would be able to change a lot of the things that are happening in the world right now. But the problem is we don't know how to come together. And everybody is trying, I won't say everybody, but I don't understand Latinos and Hispanics like trying to align with white people and Republicans because it's like they want to be white so bad 
that they are that's voting what it is. their own self-interest. Well, you just said That's it. exactly what it is. You, you said just, it. They want to be you, white. It, everybody. I'm going to add in the Indians, too. I'm not going to leave their asses out. So it's a lot of these groups. If I could be anything else but them. I don't want to be black. I don't want to be considered black because black people are not treated equally. That's, that's what I'm the saying. Other that's, else but right, that's what I'm we saying. Are the them. That's what I'm saying. Okay, right. but then they take all of our culture. It's a very interesting. They thing. want our struggle. Like, I mean, they want our our joy, but they don't want our struggle. That's the problem. But I don't understand. I don't understand that because I'm like I I'm very proud of being black. I I celebrate like people being Native American. I celebrate people being Hispanic. Like that is your your color. Like why would you want to give that up? Like that is beautiful. Why would you want to be because, something other than what you are? Because people think the white man's ice is colder. See, and I I just don't understand that because I'm like block because I'm not you impressed. know all ice I'm, like, I'm not fucking impressed good. that's because you know all ice have <gasps> the same damn temperature that's why I think even with everything that happens with us I still sit and say I wouldn't want to be anyone else it is very hard being black and I even question why do we have to go through so much like I haven't figured that out. I've been talking to God about it. Like, why do we go through so much compared to other groups of people? We are mm-hmm. at such right. a hit all the damn time. Uh, but like you say, we have the most culture. We have, I mean, you, why would you want to be anything else? But they don't see it that exactly. way. What's happening, you know, and, and that's why I said we got to stop saying certain things, you know, plan for certain folks or doing certain things like Marin is his name Marilyn Garland how do you say his name who are you talking about the one that's the attorney general who was supposed to be a justice Merrick Garland I, I think his name is Merrick oh, Garland okay oh okay. Obama's pick yes yes uh-huh. yeah so oh. you know, he's the attorney general we're talking about this January 6th everyone was oh he's so great he's this this and this that fool did not want to indict nobody about this January 6th uh situation they are making that january 6th committee and i'm gonna shout out that black man who is really running things what is his name i'm gonna have to look him up so i'm i haven't been watching any of it because i'm like it makes me spit to my stomach it 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 i i'm like the fact that we are even at this point is a slap in the face and a little bit that I do know from reading this article, like I'm watching, I see this picture of Shay Moss, who was a election worker down in Georgia. And she's sitting on the stand crying, talking about how Trump pointing her out and lying on her has ruined her life. So I can only imagine the backlash that she's received all because Trump was just pulling shit out of his ass. And he specifically called her out saying that, you know, folks in Georgia were altering votes and he called her name. So you know how fanatical his fan base is. So they're going after her. So I'm like, you know, this is a problem because I'm like, if this was anybody else, they would have been convicted of treason. Like they would have, something would have happened to them by now. So a long like, I don't know. Ago. As, as Andrew Gillum. I'm going to pull that out again. As Andrew Gillum. And I think even from that 
testimony, the one with the young lady who was the aide to his chief of staff, that's been a big one because her saying how he be cursing people out, he threw food when he gets mad, all these things like a yeah. big baby, but baby Georgia trying to get him for real, for real. But I think the January 6th, you know, hearing is making it hard for that guy Garland to not do anything. They are putting up such a case. They are really laying out the entire case for that team. If we don't see these people take a perp walk, I don't know what else to say. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Be prepared for them not to take I am prepared. You're right. I don't put nothing past these these people. You're right. So, So can I say something right quick? I was looking at my Facebook memories for today. And six years ago, on this date in 2016, I said, I update my status to Hillary is a distraction from Philando is a distraction from Dylan. And that's because just oh. to remind everybody, people were talking about Hillary's goddamn emails during the election. Philando Castile had just been shot by that fucking police officer. And then Dylan Roof's attorney had just submitted uh, or made a motion to drop the federal charges against him. Absolutely. And I was but like, Philando and Hillary are all a distraction from the shit that's going on. And then I feel like all this other shit that's happening or that's not happening is to distract us from what's really going on in this country. Absolutely. But again, that goes back to this is how the system is designed to operate. It's all about smoke and mirrors. So, of course, and that's why I feel like Fox News is so dangerous because they're putting, they're pushing out this propaganda again to poor white people who are seeing all of this, believing this stuff. It's not based by facts. And they're just hearing it. And it's just like, oh, well, because Fox News said it, it must be true. But then that also goes back to the shooting that took place in Illinois on the 4th of July where that guy killed, what, six people? And then there's also, I, can, I don't even know the name of the young man that got shot 60 times, and I don't hear, yes, he got shot 60 times by the cops. They captured the gunman, the Highland Park gunman. They captured him alive, but mm-hmm. they killed this young Black man. 60 times, sense. though, bruh. Yeah, they actually got 90 shots. They hit him 60 times. And just they to go hit back, him 60 one times. One person. Yes. And then still handcuffed him as yes. his body was limp. But let me just go back too with the Illinois shooting. Actually, a seventh person, uh, one more person died. So initially mm. it was six. They're up to a death count of seven. And I think all these things, when we talk about distractions, you know, and keeping focus, that might be the title of this episode, Keep Focus. Because... When you think about these January 6th, uh, you know, hearings, then this leak, quote unquote, leak of the Roe v. Wade, then they wait a couple more weeks and then they release. So now everybody's talking about Roe v. Wade, but January 6th uh, hearing is starting and it's, it's going. So it's like, when you think about all of the distractions, then you got the, the white domestic terrorists striking mm-hmm. again you know what i'm saying like it is one thing after another and i know i just posted on facebook y'all saw i just finished reading um parable of the sower 
And, you know, one funny thing is I'm like, man, I'm about to start playing my vegetable stuff because this shit about to go awry. Like, everything about to go awry. Like, it's about to get crazy. I just feel like we we about to be in some times that are just going to be a little different. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and we need to be prepared. We need to be growing our own food. I know I might sound crazy as shit, but we need to be growing our own food. <laughs> no. I no, really that's, 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 right. real. that's real. That Look. is real. You white folks trying to fool you about what's gonna happen, and and they showing you they around here them them white domestic terrorists are shooting every other day. How many? But again, we don't even talk about the kids, right? We don't even talk about, and maybe because they killed them, but we don't even talk about the shooting in Uvalde anymore. We don't talk about those little kids that didn't make it home. But here's the we thing. We don't talk about that anymore. It, it happens every day. And I feel like they're very strategic about the ones that they highlight. So let's not forget about that. Like, I'm pretty sure there's, mm-hmm. there's a shooting that happens almost every day in America. If you look at the numbers, there are just some that you hear about. And then there's so many that you don't. The same way Black people get killed all the time in America. And there are just some, there's a lot that you don't hear about. There are certain ones that you do. So it's like the guy that got shot 60 times. Yeah, you heard about that one. But imagine all the shit that's going on that you never know anything about. Never know nothing about it. Did y'all just see the prime minister? Well, he's a past prime minister. Oh, Boris? Japan. 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 They don't have 10 shootings a year. Can you even imagine a place that they have an average of 10 shootings a year? America right. is jacked he up. Shut down. Wait, why did he, he got assassinated? Down? He got assassinated. Oh, he already he had already resigned though. He had already resigned, but right. he was still traveling and doing work for people. So he finally he stepped down. They said that he was the longest running prime minister they had. But this guy went wow. forty-one years old, I think, when it sh- and, and killed him. Yeah. But just the idea of a place that only has an average of ten shootings a year. Can we? Can we just sit right there? fact dc has an average of 10 shootings a day absolutely and we're not even gonna talk about baltimore i mean it, the fact that we have ceasefires where they count the number of days that nobody gets shot that's a problem but right wait a second you know what people didn't talk about I just, huh did y'all hear about the shooting that happened in dc on juneteenth there was like a street yes. festival that monday and like 10 people were shot yeah, I saw that. I didn't hear about that one. During the festival, exactly. Exactly. And then also during that same weekend, like a teenage boy got shot. Actually, he got shot at that festival. But then also they found the body of a 16-year-old girl in an abandoned apartment building in Southeast. I'm just like, I, like, like everything in this country just boggles my mind. And also, to be perfectly honest with you, Shug, like earlier how you stated, like we're just kind of used to this shit. I've just become desensitized to a lot of the shit Absolutely. that's going on right now. Just because like I'm over it. I'm over people dying, dying, dying. I'm over people getting killed. I'm over fucking guilty people who know that they're fucking guilty and know that they did shit not being held accountable for their responsibilities. Because if we do some shit that we know we're not supposed to do, they go hang us. They gonna they they are going to drag us down to the jail without hesitation, without having to think about it. And we're gone again because we're not rich white men. But what do you we're do in, in the men. face of distraction? What do you do in the face of distraction? I think 
everything we still got to think about how does that end up rolling up what does that roll up to how does that how do we play that because yes it's, we can get tired but we also gotta, i don't know we still got to keep fighting we still got to figure out how how does that work well for us and i think you know we were talking before the show started about fam you performing the louis vuitton store and we had this heated discussion around it but it does. I, I ask that question of what does that do for us? And I think we have to ask that for everything that happens. How does that affect us? And who is us? Us is the Black people. So, I mean, I feel like it's a it's a double-edged sword. So I'm proud of FAMU for being invited because that puts a spotlight on, on us on an international stage. So it's kind of like, you know, for all of the people that have never heard of FAMU, it's like, oh, who, who is the school, you know, and that must be such an honor that they invited this one particular school to represent the United States in this fashion show. So I think that's dope as far as bringing awareness and that's going to make more people want to find out what FAMU is and hopefully that will extend into well, what is the HBCU. So I hope that other HBCUs can benefit from that, but more particularly the school itself will because now you'll have students who will want to go there. And I actually saw an article yesterday, I want to say, where now FAMU is at capacity as far as housing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's great because it's, it's increasing enrollment, but at the same time, now they have a problem with, now we have all these kids applying to our school. So now we're starting to have to turn people away, which also I saw something about now FAMU is the hardest HBCU to get into so that's mm-hmm. a that's a great thing but I'm also like well what about the students who you know what I'm saying who's not that star athlete or not they don't have that 4.0 so how do they get access to the school as well so I'm I'm looking at that so these are kind of great problems to have but it's still a problem so I think right. that helps now might be a good time to bring in our guests into the conversation, who is no stranger to the show. She has been here multiple times. We love her. She is a fellow Southern Belle, a former Miss Black Alabama, former Miss Florida A&M University. Yes, I'm going down your resume. Uh, so without further ado, she's a wife, she's a mother, she's amazing. She's talented and beautiful and educated. Dr. Kimberly Pelham, welcome back to the Feminine Files. Thank you so much. Y'all are so just amazing and on fire uh, in terms of the range of dialogue that you cover. And you're just so on point, uh, should about your your comments related to FAMU and the Louis Vuitton show. I I um I um agree with everything you said, especially in terms of how complicated it is, right? Because we've Mm -hmm. seen how um, the entertainment industry in general uh, tends to be the beneficiary of our culture. And we, we historically walk away with the short end of the stick. So it is my hope, I have no idea what the behind the scenes agreement um, was between um, the show producers and the Marching 100. But it is my hope that at this point with so much knowledge around you know, historical patterns that somebody somewhere 
has the forethought to um, enter into some contractual space <laughs> with these kinds of corporations and make sure that there is indeed uh, monetary compensation and not just monetary compensation, but long-term yeah. um, compensation in, in terms of how you continue to sew into the FAMU brand. Because we know what we bring to these brands, we bring relevance, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, it's not edgy, it's not cool without our stamp of approval, without our, you know, association to these names. And so we know the value that we hold. And, and I, I just hope that there's somebody in the background who's making sure that that value is translated into some meaningful compensation outside of airtime. And I agree. And I think that was kind of my point earlier when I was saying what, what scholarships coming out of this, like what's coming out of this, because just saying we get this notoriety, bitch, we got the notoriety already. I, I don't know if we need that no more. I mean, I get it, but it got to be more. We can't just be no face for people no more. And that's, that's what Absolutely. I was saying. That's it. So that was it. I, you know, I, I didn't want to discuss it because I was like, I don't know how that, how that freed us. I don't know. What does that do for us? I just, well, I just want to know what it did for us. I think Suge brings a great point in terms of its ability to excite new applicants, right? And so I think one of the things that I take for granted and probably some of you take for granted is I live in an HBCU world. My family are, you know, are, is filled with HBCU graduates, my friend circles, line sisters, et cetera, et cetera. And so everyone that I interact with for the most part understands the value of these institutions. And I think with Beyonce's homecoming documentary, social media, feeding us certain loops, there tends to be this idea that all of us think this way and all of us um, understand how important these institutions are. But every now and then I'm reminded that we do not represent um, the majority, unfortunately, of how a lot of Black folks think. And, and not to say that folks are out, out here intentionally undermining the significance of HBCUs, but my mom serves on a scholarship committee at church and we live in the deep South. And so you would think, you know, ASU is around the street from where my mother goes to church. And so you would assume that the applicant pool would be very much so representative of an interest in Alabama State University, Tuskegee University is up the street, Miles College isn't far, Alabama A&M, so forth and so on. But I can't tell you how many times, you know, when these uh, youth get an opportunity to talk about where they want to go to school, um, HBCUs are not mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so I do think there is some level of importance to um, remaining relevant and exciting to the 17-year-old or 18-year-old who's thinking about school and labels mean something, celebrities mean something, brands mean something to them. So I think Shug raises a really good point in terms of um, making sure that our name is still meaningful to young people who otherwise might not um, come across the family brand. I wonder if we play a better role. We sh you'll see us for the band and the entertainment. And, you know, oftentimes you hear, which we know is not true, having gone to the university, 
that it can be a, considered a party school. I think any school can be a party school. Let me just start off saying that. But if we think about what, what some may think, then how do we start playing up the academia? Because our academics is better than anyone, right? And we know that, but I'd like to see us showcase that more so. Nothing wrong with the entertainment, but I think that falls into how other brands utilize our brand to do just that, to entertain, and how we are known for entertaining, but we we have engineers, educators, pharmacists, professors on this line right now, political scientists, like on this line right now, historians, all of that. How do we showcase that and say, you're going to get a top-notch education, and it's not just this entertainment? So... I'm going to respond. And then Dr. Pelham, you add to what I'm missing or let me know if I'm on the right track. I think it's shown in our admissions, right? Like I think Absolutely. the class yep. of 20, the class of 20, the incoming class of 2021, their average GPA was almost a 4.0. So That's what I, I came think to that, say. Yep. Yeah. Like the, mm-hmm. I think we show the academic piece in, you know, and also I, well, our graduation rate needs to, well, actually, I feel like our graduation rate is tricky. And I say that because whatever entity looks at graduation rates only looks at a four-year rate, right? Because most people, most majors, you graduate in four years. However, FAMU has two very, very popular programs that are over four years. We have our five-year MBA program. We also have our pharmacy program, which is six years. So I feel like that, you know, graduation rate is kind of tricky. But what I will say is, I think you can look at the people who get post-bachelor's degrees, post-baccalaureate degrees, and check their passing scores on the test and everything that they have to take. Look at the pharmacy graduates and the, the passing rate for their boards. Look at the number. Yeah, it failed, but we coming back. It failed, but we coming back. Go. Okay, well, that's just one example. But also look at the law school graduates and how many passed the LSAT. Look at even the nursing school. I think our nursing school graduates have like one year. I think they had a hundred percent passing rate on their board exam. So I don't I know that, but there, I don't see that. Yeah, but I don't see it advertised. We may not. We may not be looking in the right place. But I feel like that information is out there. But I think like, you know, KB, you bring up a good point, especially you being very, very involved with the Alumni Association in Philadelphia. When you recruit, when you all award scholarships, that's the information that we should be sharing when we go out in the community. I know when I talk about FAMU at my school and also when the recruiter comes, he talks about all of that and we share all that information. We do. However, I will say as a part of that, I think that's part of that system that I was talking about earlier when it comes to politics and government in America. I also feel like there's a push not to have that information out there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's why we have to be advocates for HBCUs and especially FAMU in particular, because that's the, the institution that we matriculated from. So that's why it's important to know that information and to be plugged in and to understand what's happening on the campus because, you know, white people ain't going to do it for us. You know what I'm saying? Like they only come to us again when it comes to, you know, Louis Vuitton events or, you know, right now it's cool to go to an HBCU. But remember, there was a time where it's like, why are you going to that school? 
why you not looking at a Harvard or a Yale or, you know what I'm saying? So we have to ensure that we are portraying HBCUs in a positive light and we keep that going. So right now is the time to keep pushing that because there is going to be a couple of years from now, it's going to fall off. It's just that it's the cool thing to do right now. I mean, Ralph Lauren going to do that with Morehouse and, and Spellman. And I hope right. we should yep. pull down to other schools, but not to switch gears a little bit, but, you know, we definitely wanted to get Dr. Pelham's opinion. You know, we were talking earlier around distractions and so much happening, you know, the January 6th hearings, and then you start seeing these uh, white domestic terrorists doing their thing in between. You have the quote unquote leak of the Roe v. Wade and then the Roe v. Wade being overturned. So you have these, you know, as these hearings are getting more and more interesting, just all these things I think are happening at one time. What do you think history has kind of shown us in these moments where you have all of these things happening? I mean, I, I was just talking to them about, I just finished Octavia Butler's uh, Parable of the Sower and I'm about to start a Parable of Talent. I, I'm trying to uh, start growing my own vegetables and shit. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm about to be, out, you know, and I, I don't even have a green thumb, but I'm going to figure this out. What, <laughs> what should we be thinking about and preparing for? Because history tells us these stories over and over again. You know, what, what do you think about that and all this that's happening right now, these distractions? Um, are they distractions or are they consequences um, to, to, you know, so much that we've ignored, <laughs> um, so much that we've allowed to happen? Mm. I saw something recently that said, you know, there's a critique um, about uh, people of color all over the world, non-white people, whatever you want to call them, about them being uncivilized and barbaric. And what Europeans have done over the course of 200 years is essentially um, literally ruin um, the vitality of the earth in such a short amount of time when you consider the history of the world. Um, so when you talk, when you have scientists who are telling you literally the world is about to be on fire unless we get carbon emissions under control. Um, I think what we're dealing with is a series of consequences, right? And um, our inability to fix um, some things, you know, as a parent and, um, you know, this KB, there are some indiscretions that your children uh, do that are forgivable. You know, we can we can talk this through. Um, this is fixable. It is not the end of the world. But there are some things you cannot go back from. And so, when you repeatedly, you know, um, withhold, you know, basic human rights from people when you continuously, you know, strip communities of literally the human beings that they need to survive and instead usher them into jails. And in my state of Alabama, um, Governor, Governor Kay Ivey is using COVID 
relief funds to build new prisons. And of course, um, prison capacity is determined by um, third grade um, performance uh, scores related to, to reading and math. And so when you're constantly um, undermining the success of not just one particular group of people, but the human race destroying the earth, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Level upon level upon level of, of destruction um, from food sources to air quality to humans' ability to literally just breathe without having someone literally on your neck um, stealing your ability to um, have a life. I think what we're dealing with um, are, are the consequences of all of that. I, I don't know that any of it is necessarily a distraction. It can feel distracting because of our phones and constant access to technology. But I think we're dealing with um, the consequences of our actions um, and it's been a long time coming. Gosh. I love that. Actually. I mean, I think it's so it makes sense. It makes sense because if you you if you and again, I think sure, this goes back to your comment earlier. The system is doing exactly what it was designed to do. It's doing exactly what it was supposed to do. And even when you talk. Yeah. About KB, um, I, I mean that for us, too. I think, mm. um, you know, my, my husband and I go back and forth all the time because he tends to be of the mindset that uh, you determine your destiny, right? Mm. Um, there are things that he has not always had, but he has worked to get them. So he is a believer that you can shape your future. And because I study history, I tend to lean into all of the things that have prevented oppressed mm -hmm. groups from yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Environmental yeah. things that play into that that will make that journey harder still. And there's a great book I want to recommend to your listeners. I forget the exact title of it, but it's like The Life of George Floyd or something like that. And essentially, what the author does yeah. uh, is walk you through uh, his family history and genealogy. And mm -hmm. it's really because ultimately, what they show is that, you know, um, the difficulties of the African-American experience since the beginning. So this, this outcome, um, which is disturbingly tragic, is almost unsurprising based on um, absolutely just, just their station in life as African-Americans. It's a really interesting book. Um, anywho, uh, it, you know, I say all of that to say, um, I think there is a choreography between our ability to self-determine our futures and other forces that attempt to strip that self-determination from us. And so at some point, as, I, as we're talking about consequences of our own actions, I think we have to recognize our own agency in, that, uh, in those consequences and in our ability to be a self-determining people. I think we have to acknowledge our own agency and our own story and our own outcomes. And although as a historian, I am very sensitive to all of the forces that work against us, um, my husband holds my feet to the fire and, and reminds me and our children of the ways in which 
we have to be responsible for our futures as well. That goes into that voting show that we talked about earlier, right? I think that's one of the things. I think that education and educating each other, educating your your children to know better and to do better. Absolutely. We have to take some of that, like you said, that ownership of what role do we play? And I think we have to question when things happen and ask that question of how does this, how does this benefit us? Because if it's not doing anything, should we, should we think about something else we should be doing? You know, I think we so happy. I think, I think I look at things now. I don't get so happy when I see FAMU at the LV show. I, I want to ask some additional questions. It's nothing wrong with it, but what's that end game? How is that furthering us? And I think we should, I'm okay with questioning all the things that we do. And even well, if I was the one at the LV store two, three years ago or four years ago in, in Europe, that don't mean I'm going to be in the LV store today because we can all evolve and look at things. Yeah. Different. I mean, and I think that's important. And I feel like right now with the American school system, like we're seeing it, you know what I'm saying? So now it's the time where people need to be actively engaged in their children's lives and looking through these textbooks and going to PTA meetings and talking with these teachers because, you know, people have biases. Sometimes you're aware of those biases. Sometimes you're not. So it's very important to know, one, what they're teaching in these schools. And then two, what kind of person is teaching your child? You know what I'm saying? So that's why it's like, you can't just rest on, oh, I'm going to send little Bobby to school and he's going to come back. No, you need to be educating your children as well. So as a resident, so as a resident educator here, I can tell you, at least at my school, and I would say that it's probably safe to say it's like this at a lot of schools. Most parents are not involved until something happens that they don't like, i.e. their child gets a grade that they don't like, or mm-hmm. like, it's very rare that you have parents who are involved because they want to be involved. And if you do, it's a very small group of parents. And it's a very homogeneous group I have of a parents, question. Meaning that they either look alike or they live in the same neighborhood or what have you. Yes, Dr. Helen, what is your question? Do you think it's a matter of laziness or do you think it's a matter of resources? And the reason I ask that is because I don't even want my kids. That's a good I question. I don't even want my kids in school, right? Um, the pandemic has been so just crazy in terms of what it has done to my household and my inability to manage little children and work at the same time has really been clear. However, I have attempted to do that and I am just so glad that I've done that because at least in these few short years, I know that my imprint has been the main imprint on my kids. Um, Here, there are very few quality school options, um, but because of our own family situation and time and whatever else, we went ahead and broke down recently and put them in a school for the summer. And if I can figure something out. I'm going to snatch them right on out and they're going to be back at home with me. But for now, they are in school. What I have noticed is you're right. There are very few parents who 
are up there and as engaged as I am. I'm the crazy mama that come up there looking nuts. That's I'm me. Going, I'm going off on people because my son is soiled and should not be. I'm asking the teacher. That's a problem. But part of the reason why I'm able to do it is because I have the time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so much of my work is remote. Absolutely. Um, I have a husband who, and that's another thing. Absolutely. That's major. That's major. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have a partner. Mm-hmm. And not only do I have the help of my husband, I also have the um, look of my husband. And what I mean by that is uh-huh. they, treat me, they treat me different when they see right. it's two of us doing drop off. They do. Right. Right. Yep. Um, and when I look at other moms, uh, I, you know, I'm stressed. I got my own things, but, but it's different. When I look at other moms, they have a lot going on. It's only them. They are handling drop off by themselves. And so they don't have time. Like I have to make sure, you know, every, like I'll, I'll peep around the door so that my kids can't see me, but I'm listening to make sure that, you know, everything is good. Other mothers do not have time for that. They are the sole Mm -hmm. breadwinners in their family. Um, They are stretched thin. They're dropping off another child at a different place. And so I have become very sensitive to women in particular who are trying their best, uh, but some things they just cannot, some things are going to go me and me and my Understood. husband can't do it all, and we got a team. That's it. And so I'll, 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 I'll wait. I'll, so if I can answer too, as a parent as well, and a single parent, right? I would say I'm probably one of the crazy parents, but I start. I'm, I'm also probably that anomaly of parents who start early, the beginning of the school year. I'm introducing myself to the teacher. I'm establishing a relationship. I'm ensuring that we are talking consistently, not just when my child has a problem, but we're talking all the time because what you won't do is overlook her. So I'm always there to be present. And I I think I told this story before, but, you know, my daughter was younger and and very uh, excited and very, you know, over the top you know, this is like second or third grade and we're talking about services. I was able to bring in a therapist with me that works with, that worked with my daughter on the outside. I was able to bring her in uh, to the meeting. I was able to have a conversation with those, those uh, leadership members at that elementary school to talk about what we're going to do with her. And what I said to all of those people in that room, I said, what I'm concerned about as a student doesn't have the resources that I have to do what I just did today. Because everybody doesn't have this. Every Even me being divorced, they knew that they was going to see me. You see what I'm saying? And they look at your title. They saw when them emails was getting signed, they said Farm D on the back of that. They saw all of those things. They know who to play games with and who not to play games with. So I think a large, of, a large part of it is resources. And when I say resources, Absolutely. it's not just money i think it's education mm-hmm. level i think absolutely it's ability to move i think it's a lot of that some people just don't know they don't and know time. How to percent. they don't yep, know how to one thousand percent so if i can respond and i am in a different space than the than the types of schools that your children are in because my kids are a little bit older a little more independent however i actually had a conversation with one of my teachers a few weeks ago because we were talking about a situation with the student and the parents were demanding some things. Some things were reasonable, most things were not. 
But what I said to the teacher was, I was like, don't wait until, and this is a veteran teacher, someone who has been teaching longer than I have been in education. But what I said to him was, I was like, don't wait until something bad happens to reach out to the parents. Like, why don't you reach out to the parents at the beginning of the year and start the dialogue, start the conversation, introduce yourself and say who you are. Like when I was in the classroom, I, I whenever I emailed my students, I also made sure that their parents were included in that email as well. And that was because at a minimum, they at least had an opportunity to see what their children were doing in my class. And that, it, to me, that's a form of communication. I'm not always able to pick up the phone and call 100 parents. And also, just like you said, Dr. Pelham, some parents are not always able to pick up the phone in the middle of the day because they are at work. But at least hopefully at a minimum, because they did provide the school with an email address, they're at least checking that email. There's an opportunity for them to do that. And then if they need to follow up with me, they can reply back to the email. They can call the school when they're available, or they can participate in parent-teacher conferences if they're available. And one thing that our school did or has done in the past, because thinking about single parents and parents who work, who may not be able to, to be off in the, in the middle of the day, we actually have our parent-teacher conferences start later in the day from 12 to 7. So for those parents that do work a 9 to 5, or those parents that work 8 to 4, or even those parents that work a third shift, they're able to come in either in the afternoon before they go to work, or in the evening after they get off work to hopefully give them the opportunity to come in, talk to their teachers, figure out what's happening with their student, and see how the school and them can get on the same page. But one thing that I also have noticed, and I know this is not the case with the parents on this podcast, is that a lot of school, a lot of parents expect the schools to raise their children. And there's a difference between educating a child and raising a child. And unfortunately, with how things are now, a lot of parents expect you to teach their children soft skills that they should have learned at home at 10 years old. That's the dilemma. So I think it's, um, I think one of the things that I'm not, I'm, I have to think about how to address what you just, the last piece you just said, but the front part of that. I think it goes back to the conversation we had earlier about everybody taking their part. I don't think we can any longer say that as a parent, because I have to work these amount of hours, I can't figure out how to talk to my, my, my teacher. You, you make it so that they stretch those hours, right? They stretch those hours or they make some concessions so that you can be a part of the learning lesson as well. The learning experience. So I think it's on the, the parent to push that on their own. But I think part of that, again, on the resources is do they know? So how can we as a community educate each other so that we can support each of each, the parents can support each other in sharing that information? Because I don't know a lot of those things. I'm not in education, but my mother spent 44 years in education. So I have heard that I can lean on and say, mom, what do I do for this? And she's telling me everybody I need to get involved. Um, you know, how do I share that information now? So every time I get a chance, I still, I tell my story. I tell what I did, who you need to get involved. How do you set those sources up? The other thing I think you, you already addressed is what does the school do? What's their responsibility? How can I mm -hmm. accommodate these parents so that they can be more involved, feel more mm -hmm. open to be involved? So I think mm -hmm. it's, it's both of those pieces, but I'm not going to all, I, I don't know if I want to, 
I, I used to think that too, L, about the parents thinking that they, their kids supposed to get raised in the school. I don't know if they're thinking that they should be raised in the school. No, our parents they understand do. what the purpose of the school <laughs> is. No, our parents do. <laughs> no, but I, no, no, real talk. Do they know what the purpose of the school? What do they know what the purpose is? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Do they understand what they are there for? So that those things, those guardrails are laid out in, in advance. You are responsible for this. This is what we are responsible for. Now, how do we partner? Because if it's behavioral issues, and I can speak to this because my child has had behavioral issues in the school system. If it's behavioral issues, those are for me to handle. However, I need your support because she has to go sit in that classroom. So whatever I'm Absolutely. telling her, I need you to follow through it within school so that we can both be on the same page and your class can go smoothly. So that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Understand what everybody's role is, is that set up front so that we aren't confused of you're not coming here. I'm not supposed to do your child's health, but I think that go back to community. So we think about the African way of being, have we had in this mindset that it was a, a village that raised your child? See, do mm -hmm. we, we got to go back a little bit. So maybe we still in the village and when I mm -hmm. brought my my child to your school, that teacher would do her hair. And nobody yeah. said nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys clearly don't see it that way. So we need to reestablish what this is, what this relationship is. So that's why I guess I'm thinking, do they think that they're supposed to raise their child because they still think this shit is a village? And y'all clearly don't see this as a village. And that's why we got so, to Well, so so let me say this. I don't so know. Let me say I'm, this. Just, I'm just throwing something out there. Go ahead. No, no, no. So I totally understand what you're saying. And then also, again, I'm just speaking from a one school point of view. So there have, and I will, and I have stories for days, but I'll just talk about these two students in particular from this past school year. They are both rising seniors. There is one student that the administration and other front office staff noticed that he basically came to school every day in the same clothes. And we also knew that he was having issues at home. So before I finish the story, Dr. Pelham, do you have any last words that you want to share? Any last thoughts? But I'm glad um, KB brought up this, this concept of community because it's key. I actually had a question. I didn't have a comment, but I did have a question. And KB is, you know, reading my mind per usual. And that question was about, success in um friendtoring I believe in I believe in lateral mentorship right and I and for my own purposes I call that friendtorship and I, I wanted to know if any of you all had success with friendtoring um other parents as it relates to this topic of how we approach education for our children because again in my own life what I have found is what I want from my kid is kind of different from other folks in 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 my community. I'll I'll say that. Yes, and I've experienced so that. It's difficult. So when KB talks about like we need to create community and we need to look out for each other and we need to you know share these resources, I agree. But I'm wondering about the how when we have two different intentions for the education of our children. Yeah. I think it's so a I have, 
Right. So I'm going to be really quick with my three examples. One, one student that I was about to share, we noticed that he basically came to school every day in the same clothes. We had our male administrator pull him to the side and say, hey, do you need anything? Is there a way that we can support you? And we also know that some of these students come from homes where their parents would be livid if they saw that someone else was providing something for them, if someone was giving them clothes, if someone was giving them something that they needed. But we still contacted our HSA, which is like our school PTA, to get him clothes. And so I, I think we got gift a gift card worth $500 to take care of him and to buy him necessities that he needed to have a coat because it was 30, 20, 30 degrees outside and he was coming to school in a hoodie riding the Metro. There was another student, it was her first year at our school and she was having a tough time with one of her teachers and somehow she and I bonded um, well, actually, I was teaching one of the classes. I was filling in for um, for her teacher, but she and I bonded and connected. And I was just like, you know, how's your first year going? Is there anything that you need? Like, just let me know. I noticed that she was having a tough time with one of her teachers. So I took the initiative to call her mother and introduce myself and say, I know that she's struggling in this class, but I'm here to help her. I'm here to help you. Um, I also referred to her the Delta Gems program that my um, chapter has in DC because I'm like she needs to be around other young women who are like her who she can relate to and to be in a positive environment. Now they never signed up for the program, but I at least did my due diligence and provided them with that information. Another student years ago was raised by her grandmother and my the assistant principal at the time went and bought things that she needed for her dorm room when the assistant principal was going to take her home she was like can we keep this at school because anything i take home my grandmother is going to take for herself and not let me take to school so these are some of the things that are going on in the school system and we know that not everyone's home life is like ours was, right? Like we all have both of our parents involved in our lives. All of our parents were college educated. And unfortunately, children that look like us don't always have that. So those of us who are able, and I'm all, I mean, honestly, why I got into education was so I could support children and provide them with opportunities that I was given, but also even provide them with more opportunities that I wasn't given and to let them know that they can do anything. There's another student who wants to go to Xavier University. We have an alumni from our school who came back this year and spoke to him. The principal set it up and to share with him what his experience was like. So to prepare him and to basically know that he needed to get his act together in order to start applying for school in the fall. I so think, I think as individual, like individuals, and I, and you know, I, and I don't work at a school where the majority of the students look like us. However, those of us who look like us, I think do what we can and have that community mindset for our students. I don't know if y'all do, because I feel like I hear that 
they come to school and think they're going to get raised by here, right? So I don't know. I guess in, in the answer to Dr. Pelham's question from my end, I guess I think you still talk. Like, I, I've run into a lot of parents who don't parent like me, and it's okay. I think I, I'm able to listen to them and how they want to do things, and I can take bits and pieces and say, oh, okay, I think that's good. I don't think that's good. And vice versa doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to change the way I'm doing something or they don't necessarily change the way they're doing something, but it's still a way of sharing. And I think sharing is still an important piece of community. So absolutely. But right. But I also think that support and education or support and educating are not synonymous with raising. We can still be a part of that village for those students and still not take the job of a parent. Completely. Completely. And that's, 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 the, and that's the only right. And that's the right. And that's the only point that I was making in that statement that schools are not here. Or well, schools purpose, a school's purpose is not to raise a child. We are there to educate them first and foremost, but also to support them and provide them with the things that they need in order to receive the best education while they are in our care. So maybe that's what you say, that second piece, because the, the lead off with we're not here to raise your child already puts up a wall for that parent. I mean, I've never said that to a parent. So but I've heard exactly this times and time again. <laughs> your, one of y'all last sisters has said this online. So it's something that we know teachers think. That's why when I'm, I'm probably extra, because I want you to make sure know, you know you ain't raising my child. So I think the lead off has to be, again, kind of what I said, what is you guys' purpose? What, me telling what my purpose is, and then how do we work mm-hmm. together in a partnership? Absolutely. So, and you know, we could talk about this all day. We done been here for a minute. We might need to do a part two and maybe bring Dr. Pelham back as well to the good. conversation. Because this is a great, honestly, as we can see, we could be here all day talking about this. And this conversation has just evolved. Because education right. is nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. We went right. nowhere in our plan. The no episode way. is no longer called distractions, right? Like I'm on, I'm almost on consequences because that was such a good I think, but again, I think we went down this rabbit hole because it's so it's multifaceted and it's deeply layered. You know what I'm saying? So it, it ties that, but it, it's just a lot. But good conversation. I have to say this is one of the better episodes that we've had in a long time. So Happy that you came back, KD. I think we were Woo-hoo! missing that. Yeah, we were missing that third voice. And shout out to Dr. Pelham because every time she comes on, it's just a awesome episode. And the energy that she brings is phenomenal. But well, should, I tell you, I told her, you know, I've been off the podcast since my friend's transition. And if I come back, I want us to talk about something that's going to move the needle get some conversation yeah. started. I don't want to just come back and talk about these hot topics. I need I need something more. And so I'm happy that this turned out the way it did, Shook. So thank you. Uh, you know, if I'm going to come back, we want to come back with a whole ass bang. And, you know, this is, this is giving me life. So appreciate it. Very good. So for our Dope Gifted and Black segment, we want to give a huge shout out, kudos, congratulations, all things Black Girl Magic to Sandra Douglas Morgan, 
because she is the first black female president in NFL history. She was recently named the team president of the Los Angeles. Wait, is it Los Angeles Raiders? Is that the team? Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry, they Vegas. There you so go. Kudos, yep, they moved. So kudos, kudos to her. Unfortunately, she's with the other group, but you know, still black girl magic. So we're going to congratulate her and shout her out. So kudos, Sandra. Well, I just want to know how that's going to free us. It's not, but at least it's representation. Representation exactly. freeing us. We still getting killed. But you know what? Listen, it's okay. Black girl magic. Everything that ain't going free us. Thank you, Katie. Right. Everything ain't going free us. But, but it needs to. Matters. But it needs to. But well, let me say this. It may free us because you know, sometimes we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate our wins. We need to be thankful. We deserve to be happy. And damn it, we're going to celebrate Sandra Douglas Morgan. That's how that's Absolutely. going to free us. That ain't freeing we're gonna us. Celebrate gonna her you... win. We're going to celebrate her win and her success because her success is our success. It takes a Absolutely. village, right? And we, part of a community. We had a whole ass half black president and it ain't freed us, but go ahead. On yeah, but they note. don't count him as half black. They count him as fully black. So You're right. Uh, we had a whole ass full black president. And it ain't free us. I'm just asking how it's going to free us. But let's go. I just want everybody out there to start really well, asking that question about everything. We might not have an answer. It's okay. It's okay. But we I think this will be good. That'll be good discussion for part two. So it sounds like we're going to have to do a part two of this episode. <laughs> that part. ANKB, I have Parable of the Sower. I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf. So maybe I need to read that this summer. That needs to be my summer read. And I hope y'all like y'all's Octavia tea because it's very tasty. Shout out. Uh, thank y'all for joining us for another episode of the Fem Noir Files. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can send us an email at femnoirfiles at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Don't forget to listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. Connect with us on social media at Seminar Files on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Seminar Files. Bye.